Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to Faith FM 87.6, 87.8 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FM network, wherever you are. This is The Breakfast Show, positively different radio in the morning. And you are with Lyle and... Morning, good morning, Lyle. Morning, Mon. How are you this morning? Yeah, just, do you know what? There's so much to do right now. There's so much to do. We've got to mention so many things. I'm like stressed out how many things we're Well, quick, start by asking me what I'm thankful for. Oh, because you're the most important thing here, right? Uh, you, you better believe it. Do you know what? I'm not even going to ask glad you. glad you recognise that. I need to tell you, right? Okay, fine. What are you grateful for? Go-karts. Oh, Go-karts. Absolutely the best. <laughs> Love go-karts. <laughs> That's cool. What would life be without go-karts? <clears throat> when did you go go-karting and what for? Uh, yesterday, just for um, the sake of it. Fun, yeah, yep. that's cool. Okay, that was amazing. Can we stop talking about? You go-karts should have now? been there. Yeah, I was at work. Can we? St- can we move on to something? Like okay, third. Okay, we points. we need to tell people that Go Ye the board game has officially launched their Kickstarter. Oh, yes. Uh huh. So it needs to be raising funds at the moment. Otherwise, the board game will never happen. Our listeners will know exactly what I'm talking about because I interviewed the creator of Go Ye the uh, Christian board game uh, while you were away, so mm-hmm. you missed out. We had it all out here on the on the desk. We're playing. It was great. Also, need to tell people that the Is God For Real program is up and running. And the next night is Tuesday night, which is very exciting. Uh, this is Tuesday, the 23rd of July. It's from 7 to 8 p.m. The question is, can we know the future? That is happening at the Gilliston Community Centre in Gilliston Heights. That has been just a sensational series of presentations so yes. far. So if you've missed the first two, make sure that you are there for Tuesday evening's presentation. And the final thing I need to mention is that we're in the last week of dry July. And I just want to encourage and congratulate and just really like clap a hand on the back of everyone who's been doing uh, dry July. Absolutely. Yeah, and absolutely encourage people to continue doing it. You missed a piece that, uh, um, uh, what's his name? Blake Penland and I did uh, when he was filling in for Lawson, who was filling in for you because you were gone. <laughs> Very complicated. <laughs> the filling in, filling in, filling in. Uh, but there's this, uh, there's a, uh, there's some sort of a, a winery or, or liquor store that is unfortunately running counter dry July ads and they're encouraging people not to have a dry July. And I heard it again on the radio this morning. I'm just so furious about it. So I want to counter their counter and say, do you know what? Keep going. You're going good. Even if you dropped off the bandwagon, just jump back on. Got a Absolutely. week to go. Yeah. What can we do here? We need to uh, solve this uh, this particular store. Anyway. Yeah. Great show coming up for you today. This is a reminder. You are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for the breakfast show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the tune in radio app.
win Expecting a party That no one could be seen But out of the corner Of my good eye Saw the manger open Three men walked inside Stones of Eden with Holy King here on Faith FM. Mon, hit us with the first clue for the quiz for today. I'm actually going to re-hit you with it because this is the quiz that I started last week. Because remember how someone answered the quiz? Oh, yeah, that's right. We, we rolled a on. a new one? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to continue with that one because we only got two clues in and it was pretty hard. But I'm going to start them over so people won't miss out. Okay. So this is a What Book Am I Breakfast Bible quiz. Uh, what book of the Bible that is. And the first clue is this. Oh, why did I do this to myself? Aphia and Archippus 
are two of the three people to whom this book is addressed. Oh, there you go. Yeah, yeah. Give us a call if you know who that is. The number, of course, is 1-800-FAITH-FM. That's 1-800-324-843. You can text your guesses 0491-064-669. Uh, the correct answer will win one of our prizes from the prize box here at Faith FM. Lyle, I have some super cool... Oh, do you want to hear the weather, by the way? For Newcastle? Yeah, it wasn't loading, uh, but it has now loaded... And I'm sorry to say, well, I don't know if I'm sorry to say, it's going to be rainy. R- really? Yeah, I'm quite surprised, actually. I'm really surprised. Yeah, I know. I feel like this has been a really dry winter. Yeah, well, I haven't been here for... Uh, Most of it. Some of it. So. Some of it. It's 11 degrees right now here in Newcastle, and we are climbing up to 21, and it will be raining. Well, there you go. Yeah. It was definitely dry for me because in outback uh, Australia, of course, they're having no rain at all in most places. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. Except for you know one or two areas where they had um, rain just dumping and bucketing down. So please stay safe if it does actually rain. If the rain actually does come, please yes. drive safe. Lyle, I have some news that is like basically forcing me to eat my own words or my own beliefs. Oh, good. <laughs> Yum. I'm going stories to enjoy now. this. <laughs> this is going to be positively different news for so, me. So, like, even... Oh, I have to confess, even as I started reading this story, I was like, there's an exception to this research and I know what it is. And then I got literally <laughs> called out by this article. I'm so embarrassed. Um, so, th- this is cool. This is something, this is, this is good news that counters bad news. Like, it legit smashes bad news out of the water. So, I want you to really listen to this, dear listeners, because this is going to encourage your worldview. Um, so it's the largest ever study been done of real life conflicts captured by CCTV. So this is not staged. This is real life conflicts on surveillance um, footage that has been studied. Right. Right. What kind of conflicts? Uh, just any street conflicts. Mm-hmm. Um, and researchers have found that bystanders will intervene in nine out of ten public fights to help victims of aggression and violence. Really? Study, so this study of surveillance cameras proves that strangers will almost always intervene to help. This is incredible because the they did studies to find out what people think is actually going to happen and it turns out most of us believe that we won't get any help. That if someone attacks us in the street, no one's going to come over and help us. Mm. We, we we believe that the world is in a walk by kind of phase, and that's not actually the case. Turns out it's completely not true. And this this is the embarrassing part because I was reading this and I was like, like that might be true in like Amsterdam, but it's not true in places like Cape Town, South Africa. And then I kept reading right, and so this was published in the uh, American Psychologist Journal. And uh, and this was done by researchers from the University of Copenhagen in the Netherlands, um, the Institute for the Study of Crime and Law Enforcement, and the Lancaster University. Uh, they studied over several thousand arguments and assaults in the inner cities of Amsterdam in the Netherlands, Lancaster in the UK, and Cape Town, South Africa. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, well, that's put me in my place. <laughs> um, but yeah, this, this is just incredible. Like... Uh, I'm absolutely flabbergasted because I have seen footage um, of a South African highway, like in traffic jam mode, like standstill traffic jam, and two carjackers uh, robbing a guy in, at a car. They've got, they've got the guy's window down. They're like punching him through the window. And they're robbing him of his stuff. And the people in the cars around him are just not getting out of the cars. Yeah. And the lady, lady, lady's just filming it on her phone. 
And when one of them looks over at her, she sort of lowers her phone so like they don't see that she's filming them. And so that that video, which I watched right before I went to America, was like burned in my memory. And so when I read this article, I was like, oh, this is this must be like just for some sections of the world, but not for all the world. Turns out there's absolutely no difference between South Africa and anywhere else. Okay, so here's an interesting uh, thing that we need to discuss in relationship to this, and it's what's called the bystander effect. Mm-hmm. And um, what you've got is if you are a bystander and there are quite a number of other bystanders around you and an attack is taking place, you actually have a lot of help. Yeah. You might feel like you don't, but the first, all it takes is one person to break the bystander effect. Yes, that's true. And once the bystander effect is broken, then every single bystander is just going to. Um, yeah. You've broken the ice, you're all going to jump in. Jump in and yep. go hard. Um, now, obviously, if you know there's weapons like knives or guns or something like that involved, then you know um, you need to really, really think hard about whether you're going to be the first person to break that bystander effect. Um, but at the same time, if you know if, if that's not the case, then you outnumber the perpetrator. Yeah. And uh, there's been quite a number of um, criminals who have received a significant Beat amount down. of education. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like how you put that. From bystanders. Education. It's the, fun- the good old educational beatdown. It's funny you should mention that because that's exactly what their study confirmed. They confirmed that not only will bystanders help, but if there's the more bystanders there are around you, the more help you will get. Yeah. So basically they're all gonna they're all gonna chip in and help out. And um and I just wanna say, if someone is, you know, uh assaulting someone or attacking someone like, I mean, I think of it, I would definitely jump in. I mean, I like to think I would definitely jump in. Like, I've always said you don't know who you are until you're in the moment. Um, but I would like to think that I would always jump in to help because, because of the golden rule. Because if I was getting attacked, I would love it if anyone, someone would help me out. I would be crying out for help. I'd be praying for help. And so I like to think that if someone else is getting attacked, I could help be the help. Yep. So even if, even if it's, just calling triple zero. Yeah, I had a friend of mine, a very good friend of mine, who uh, jumped in on one of these kind of situations. He was um, walking down the street and there was a guy who was um, being attacked by about five or six other guys. Oh, that's right. And uh, he was there with just him and his dad. Mm-hmm. And they jumped in. The moment they jumped in, the other guys scattered. Yeah. And they were outnumbered. Uh, but um, yeah, his dad is a bit of an old um, old school street I think I know fighter. Exactly who you're talking about? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> they jumped in, and the other guys scattered. And educated them. <laughs> and, well, it, they didn't really even have to throw a punch. It was just once the bystander effect was broken, mm-hmm. the incident was over. Yeah, they knew they couldn't get away with it. This is not always going to be the case. Um, there have been a number of and, and continue to be a number of bystanders who lose their lives in these kinds of altercations. And so you do need to, you know, think twice before you just launch in. You do not have that guarantee of safety. But at the same thing, you know, as a Christian, we need to do the right thing where we can. for our brothers, yeah. So the leading uh, researcher, he said, according to conventional wisdom, non-involvement is a default response of bystanders during public emergencies. But this challenges this view. The cr- current cross-national study of video data shows that intervention is the norm in actual aggressive conflicts. The fact that bystanders are much more active than we think is a positive and reassuring story for potential 
victims of violence and the public as a whole. So we need to develop crime prevention efforts that build on the willingness of bystanders to intervene. So using uh, these uh, uh, the footage from these cameras, because um, how I said before, these weren't staged cam- fights, these were actual fights. Um, 91% of the time, bystanders watching the in- incidents intervene to either physically gesturing for an aggressor to calm down or physically blocking an aggressor or pulling an aggressor away or consoling the victim. So that's the three main ways that people have been uh, been helping out. And uh, yeah, this is this is great. And he said, you know, the most important question for the potential victim of a public assault is, will I receive help if needed? While having more people around may reduce an individual's likelihood of helping, like like you said, the bystander effect. It also provides a larger pool from which help givers may be sourced. And like I said, no difference in in any of the cities that they they researched. Um, yeah, human third party conflict resolution is a human universal with a plausible. Um, a humanitarian basis. It's just incredible. Like I'm, I'm. It silenced me. That's for sure. I'm really quite astounded. Yeah, it's, yeah. it says something good about uh, human beings that this is the case. Yeah, absolutely. I would say that if there are weapons involved, you know, particularly knives or guns, that um, unless you have significant skills, you're probably going to, you're possibly going to make the situation worse by jumping in. Um, and but yeah, you know, you need to act safely, and you need to know what your uh, what your skill and attitude is. Hey, give us a call. Let us know what you think. Would you jump in and help someone out? Would you want someone to jump in and help you out? Or best yet, have you actually jumped in and helped someone out? I'd love to hear a story of someone actually, you know, saw uh, assault happening and uh, lended a hand and, and, you know, how that ended for them and for the victim and for the perpetrator. Give us a call. Our number here is 1-800-FAITH-FM. It's 1-800-324-843. You can text your story 0491-064-669. This is the Downing family with the master's hand. Everything except for no one, his wife, their three sons and their wives, and a pair of every kind of creature walking the land. And the people mocked and they made fun, but oh no, work till it was done, cause he was holding to the master's hand. The master's hand is always held out to
the Downing family with the master's hand. You're listening to Faith FM. We're going to have another clue for our quiz. This one should give it away if you are a bit of a mathematician. Yes, what book am I? Only two books of the Bible have fewer words than this book. In other words, this is the third shortest book in the Bible. Third shortest book in the Bible. If you know the answer to that question, give us a call, 1-800-324-843, and there will be a prize coming your way. start at Genesis and start counting how many words are in Genesis and then go to Deuteronomy and count how many words are in Deuteronomy. When you finally get to Revelation, you'll know which book this is. That that is a way of doing it. So you'll know in about a year. Yeah, that is a a method. Um, Alternatively, you could just have a quick flick through and see which one is the third shortest one in the Bible. Yeah, or you could, you know, Google it. What are you eating? Don't look at my breakfast. (laughs) That looks like the most unhealthy thing I have ever. I'm eating a yellow apple. Yeah, (laughs) whatever. It's a yellow apple. (laughs) Uh, That does not look like a yellow apple to me. Anyway, Mon, this uh, story this morning. Where did my story go? Oh, there it is. I didn't have it. Right here. Wow. Had it already and prepared and it vanished. I have no idea how it got there. Um, 17 people have been killed in Awasa, Ethiopia no. um, over what? the weekend. Uh, we this were is just after there. several days of protests by uh, the Sadama um, group trying to gain a, uh, an autonomous state, a semi autonomous state. We were. That's the exact We place were just we were. there. That's exactly We were right we were. there. And I remember one day, about the middle of the day, a large protest went past our hotel. And we sort of looked out the window, had no idea what was going on. Um, I took mm. note, I guess, of the flag. And when, so when I get, got to that they were flying, um, and these you know, young people, university people, etc. And so when I got to my uh, meeting site that night, I asked them, you know, what was this all about? Yeah. And so they explained to me that this was uh, the Sadama tribe who are trying to gain a semi-autonomous state for themselves in this particular region and that that was you know, a political protest and that had resulted in violence in the past. Um, in fact, the head elder of the church where I was staying had had his house burnt down, oh, all no. of his possessions stolen. He had been booted out of the area because he was not Sadama. He was, I think he was Amhara. Um, so this is like tribal wars, basically. Yeah, yeah, ba- that, that's right. So he had to move to the other side of the city, and he was basically living in a with his entire family in a one-room mud hut about half the size of our studio. 
Do you know what's so crazy? Well, you know, you know the guy, the guy that drove our um, badge edge every night. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, him. Oh man, that's so sad. Yeah, and remember his kids that yeah, ride yeah, with yeah. us sometimes. Yeah, 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 yeah. Them. That's what happened to them. They lost everything, everything except for the clothes on their backs. So, is the Sadama like the, the majority tribe? They are in that particular region. Um, although they are only a small tribe in Ethiopia. So basically, uh, the way it is in Ethiopia, you have about 80 different tribes, but you have nine very, very large tribes. Um, so like you've got Amhara and Oromo, whatever it is, um, Tigray, etc., which are very, very large tribes, and they have a semi-autonomous regions. So they're kind of like states, but you know, if you look at Ethiopia, it's about the size of New South Wales, and why would you carve New South Wales up into you know, all these different states? And the way the government looks at it is that if they give every tribe their own semi-autonomous state, then that's 80 states within a country the size of New South Wales, and it's just starting to get that's a little crazy. bit ridiculous. And so we've got to draw a line somewhere, and the Sadama missed out on being big enough for that, and of course they believe that they've been sidelined by the government. And uh, and so this is what's happened. And, of course, riots have broken out. The military stepped in and just started shooting people. And 17 people died yesterday as a result of that. Do you know what I want to know? How does, like, is there really that much of a difference between how each of these tribes would run their state? Does it really matter? Like, what is the actual difference in the running of a state if it's by a Sadama or a whatever or a whoever... Like, couldn't they just be one country? Like, and all the, uh, the laws suddenly change? There is no yeah, difference, and, and right? This is the, well, and this is a crazy I, thing. Like, they can all look at each other and they can tell the difference between who's a Sadama and who's not. And we turn up as foreigners, they all look the same to us. Why can't they just get over it? It's so stupid. It's like pettiness. Like, and this is one of the worst. reasons why Ethiopia is such an undeveloped country is because every little tribe can't get on with every other little tribe and they all get racist against each other. And, yeah, uh, having been there and experienced it, I mean, for sure, we were only there for three, or three weeks or so. Yeah. And I'm sure that the, 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 um, the issues are far more complex than what we actually realise. But, um, yeah, it just doesn't seem like it's worth it. It just seems like if the if the Sadama be like, no, it's not fair because we're not in power, and then whoever if they let's say they did get into power, then the other tribes would be like, no, it's not fair because we're not in power, and you could play that game forever. That's right forever. until there's until there's uh, eighty different states across yeah. Ethiopia, and then you know they'll try and split it up into families. I don't know. I it 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 baffles me. It's like you know. We like to have one Australia with one lot of Australians, regardless of uh, colour, shape, ethnicity or whatever. Mm. We're all Australians. Um, and, you know, I think that's the healthiest way of going about it. Ethiopia should uh, should uh, should do the same I'm thing. I'm surprised that they haven't blended more. If you think about it, you know, globalism and how is Ethiopia still having such clear lines drawn between their tribes anyway? It's anyway, crazy. talking about developing countries, we have uh, James Marape, um, the Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea, has just arrived in Australia for talks with uh, Scott Morrison and Anthony Albanese. Ooh. And for those who might not know, James Marape is actually a Seventh Day Adventist. So that's. Uh, Are you serious? Yeah. Prime Minister of Papua New Guinea is the same uh, religion as this radio station. So. That's interesting. I don't know enough about his politics to know whether I agree with them or not, but um, I wish him all of God's blessings as he comes to visit us here in Australia. 
Um, they're going to be discovering, discussing the Pacific Step Up strategy um, of economic and security cooperation between Papua New Guinea and Australia. Of course, Papua New Guinea is our closest um, nation. Yeah. The distance between Australia and Papua New Guinea is four kilometres. It's not very far. You could swim across there if it wasn't I for the crocodiles and the, and the uh, great white sharks. So the nearest <laughs> yeah. Australian island to Papua New Guinea is uh, four kilometres. Okay. Because when they, you know, when Papua New Guinea went independent, the islands in the Torres Strait got to uh, choose which, whether they wanted to be Australian or Papua New Guinea. And uh, some of them, uh, yeah, they kind of wisely chose Australia. just want to say, Lyle. Yes. Good one. What? Our listeners are now texting me asking what I'm eating. We're <laughs> 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 supposed to be focusing on the tragedies yes. of Ethiopia and people want to know what I'm having for breakfast. And Papua New Guinea. We need to talk about Papua New Guinea. There's more to talk about Papua New Guinea. Go and on. then we will reveal <laughs> the, the terrible things that Mon is she eating never for brought this in. breakfast. <laughs> Go on. There's not even food, Mon. There's not even, you know there's not food, Look, right? sometimes I just want some junk food and I buy junk cereal. Instead of like buying a block of chocolate, I'll just buy like junk cereal. Yeah, okay. And then I snack on that. Cardboard covered. But then I have to get chocolate rid of it. covered cardboard. <laughs> anyway, uh, Scomo of course spends half a billion dollars in Papua New Guinea every year on uh, really development. Yeah, like on behalf of Australia. Or on behalf of Australia, because it's in Australia's interest to have stable. Um, neighbors. neighbors. Okay. And yeah, if, if Papua New Guinea falls into destabilization, then we we're going to be flooded with um, immigration and it's cheaper to spend half a million dollars to keep Papua New Guinea stable than to be dealing with uh, lots of illegal immigration. I wonder if they're going to be dealing with the, uh, the recent tribal killings that happened over there. Did you see that? Just like a whole bunch of people got murdered. It's not a rare thing, sadly, yeah. in Papua New Guinea. Anyway, the other big thing, that, and this is the more interesting aspect of this story that James Marape is going to be talking to ScoMo about, is ending the, um, the Asylum Seeker program on Manus Island. Okay. So six years ago, on Friday, um, the Labor government under Kevin Rudd um, set up the uh, Manus Island um, Offshore Detention Centre. And James Marape wants to bring that to an end. He's um, not sold on the idea. Wow, okay. So it will be interesting to see what happens there. Um, you know, we've, asylum seekers are, are a challenge to developing countries from around the world. Mm-hmm. And I think that, um, you know, we all need to, all countries need to do their bit. And I think asylum seekers need to be, you know, spread around the world. I nearly had the opportunity of spending time in on Manus Island, uh, but ended up going to Medang instead. Oh, it's a beautiful place. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely gorgeous piece of tropical paradise. Um, very undeveloped, but just a gorgeous place. This is Ryan Stevenson's with No Matter What. We'll be right back with an interview that happened at the Faith and Science Conference with Tim Stanish. If you're wondering what I'm eating, okay, fine. It's Cocoa Pops checks. There's my confession. A lot of us grew up believing At any moment we could lose it all And at the drop of a hat God might turn his back and move on A lot of us feel like we blew it 
Welcome back to Faith FM. You're listening right across Australia in 87.6, 87.8 and 88. And uh, we are continuing here with our coverage of the Faith and Science Conference down here in Kurumbong, New South Wales. And across from me at the table, I have sitting here Tim Standish, Dr. Tim Standish. How are you, Tim? I'm thriving. Thank you. <laughs> you are thriving. Yeah, thriving. It is great to be in Australia. Oh, man. Also, yeah. where have you come from? Well, I came. I, I live in California. Oh, nice! Uh, Southern California, just east of Los Angeles. So basically, between LA and Palm Springs. Nice. And so you are here presenting on uh, the basis that you are a a doctor. You're a you're a scientist, I believe. Yeah. What, what is your field? Well, my my PhD is actually in environmental biology okay. and also public policy. Mm-hmm. So I'm very interested in um, uh, species, speciation, and those sorts of things, and particularly interested in how we can use molecular data 
to inform our understanding of these things. I know that sounds too technical. Oh, no, it's uh, good. It's good. I'm, it's, I'm, it's I'm fun. loving it. Yeah, it's, it's fun, I promise you. And so you've come here to Australia to, to talk and to present at this conference. Yes. And as you said, you're enjoying yourself. Now, we're going to just get into and, and unpack a little bit some of the stuff you've you've been talking. Well, not necessarily unpack, but do an overview for our, for our audience who's listening, who yes. wants to get an idea of, of what we're talking about here when it comes to faith and science. And, and in particular, the big focus here is origins. Yes. Where do we come from? Um, and so your particular presentation was about uh, the comparison between apes and humans that people make um, yeah. from an evolutionary perspective. Mm-hmm. And now uh, I just I just want to just sort of jump into that with a question. Why do people make that comparison between apes and humans? Well, when you're talking about Darwinian evolution, you're talking about the uh, gradual change of organisms from one kind of organism into another one. Mm. And uh, if you're trying to figure out where human beings came from, obviously it's very useful to figure out what other organism is most like human beings because we will be sharing a the most recent common ancestor um, that we have with other organisms with these particular creatures. So, um, you know, scientists looked around and they noticed that human beings aren't all that much like bananas, let's say. True. And um, we're a lot more like chimpanzees. So chimpanzees are the logical place to look. Now, I should tell you that historically there have been some other contenders, um, but I think that most people would uh, recognize chimpanzees or their very close relatives as being the most closely related organisms from a Darwinian perspective mm-hmm. to human beings. 100%. Now, I just want to ask you, this is something you went over in your presentation mm-hmm. then. Um, from a biblical perspective, talking about the Darwinian perspective, yeah. from the biblical perspective, is there a link between humanity and the rest of creation, for example? Well, well there is, and it's interesting. When you, when you look there in those opening chapters of Genesis, it's as if the, you know, Moses uh, was trying to make this point very explicitly. If you look in chapter 2, for example, he lays out how human beings were made. You have God forming man out of the dust of the earth and breathing the breath of life into him. But it doesn't stop there. It then goes on. And if you go down to verse 19, you see that God formed the animals out of the dust of the earth as well. So you have the same God making human beings and animals out of the same stuff. And actually, if you go on a few more chapters down to chapter 6, actually, I'm sorry, no, chapter 7, verse 15, you see that those animals also have this breath of life in them. So basically, you have the same creator making different creatures out of the same stuff. And uh, so it's not particularly surprising to find that when we do look at all living things, there are certain things that they have in common. DNA, for example, is the universally used genetic material. Um, in gum trees, in kangaroos, in human beings, in jellyfish, everything uses DNA. Uh, so there are these commonalities that we observe, which is what really the biblical record would expect us to to be finding. Wow. Yeah. So, so if anything, it, it kind of affirms the, the findings that we're seeing in uh, you know through science. 
That's awesome. In a, in a way, yes. In a way. Now, bear in mind, Darwinists are coming from a very different perspective, mm-hmm. and they would say, all right, um, that commonality that we see is explained because of common ancestry, because yes. we, we share a common ancestor, therefore we have these these attributes yes. that are, that are yes. in common. So when you see things that are the same, they really can be explained within these two very different views. Mm. Now, I just wanted to get into, going back to this comparison um, between mm. apes and humans, yeah. what, what are the specific claims that are made? You know, so, so we know that we kind of share DNA with everything, yeah. but what, why, why, why apes? You know, okay, we can see from a, from a, from a, you know, just looking like, oh, yeah, they look similar, but what are, what are scientists really digging into? Well, there are, there are a lot of details, and it's a, we don't want to. It would be nice to, to delve into all of them, but mm-hmm. basically, when, when when you look at the basic structure of a a chimpanzee, it has four limbs. We have four limbs as well: two two arms and two legs. Yes. They have a, a skull that uses certain bones in certain ways. That and and. And so the way their body is put together is quite different um, from, let's say, a kangaroo. Mm-hmm. Uh, ca- but kangaroos obviously have more features in common uh, with human beings than a goanna. Mm-hmm. And goannas have more features in common with human beings than, oh, I'm trying to think of a good, uh, you know, Sharks, let's yeah, say. Yes, yes. So, so we see all of these things. All of these animals that I mentioned are vertebrates, so they all have a vertebral column. We have certain things in common, but when we start adding up the, the, the bits and pieces that we have in common, it turns out that chimpanzees have more in common with us than do um, mm. these other creatures that, that I just mentioned. Okay, um, so then yeah. at that point... And that point, so we know they're they're similar, yeah. and it's like you know, and, and you know, um, evolutionary scientists are making a point based on the evidence that they've mm-hmm. found. They're like, oh yeah, they're similar because of common ancestry. Yes. How do we then reconcile that? Like, how do we? What, what can we say to? Well, there there are a few things that we do need to, to keep in in mind. It's not just that chimpanzees are similar to us. They are also profoundly different. Yeah. Um, you know, your mum and dad might have called you a monkey when you were, when you were a kid, <laughs> yes. but and, and maybe, maybe some of your teachers called you something worse. But um, the bottom line is there are profound differences between human beings and monkeys or apes, um, and you can't ignore those differences as well. Now, the great thing about being a Christian is we are not constrained. We're not forced to sort of shoehorn these data into one model or another model. If if it really does look like, you know, human beings and chimpanzees are really the same thing, essentially. Well, hey, you know what? Um, we can We can live with that. There's nothing in the Bible that says... And chimpanzees, you know, God created them absolutely distinctly yeah. from everything else. But the Bible does say that God created different kinds of organisms. Mm-hmm. So as a Christian and as a scientist, I'm curious about what, 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 what does that mean? Were, could it be that, um, you know, chimpanzees were created individually by God? Um, that's, a, that's a kind of scientific 
and a kind of religious question that I can mm. ask at the same time, yeah. and I can inform it with actual scientific data. Um, and obviously, that that is what um, uh, gets me back to this business of DNA. What you can do is you can look at the DNA that chimpanzees have and the DNA that human beings have and ask, how plausible is this theory that we shared a common ancestor and kind mm. of evolved apart? And um, uh, that I find quite fascinating. So you, you might have heard uh, people making claims like, well, there's only 1% difference between the DNA yes. of a human being and the DNA of a chimpanzee. I can tell you that that's absolute nonsense. Well, this is what I wanted to get to. I wanted to, to look into to the numbers. Yeah. To, right. You know, what, what are we talking about here? And especially, you know, for myself, like I, I come from the position that, hey, you know, all these organisms were created in, individually. But then there's numbers that say this and say that, but ultimately it's it's data. What interpretation do we take with that? Can you can you yeah, unpack well, that a little de- bit? Definitely, definitely, human beings, all the different races of human beings, definitely clump together when you uh-huh. when you look at these data. And um, the, one of the one of the big confusing things is when you go into the actual scientific peer reviewed literature. What you find is that there are very, very different numbers that are reported out there. Mm. Um, so let me just run a few of them by you. I mean, yeah, my, sure. my, you know, like the, the highest percentage similarity that I've ever come across is, was published in 2003 in a paper by a guy named Wildman and, and some others. 99.4% identical. That sounds extraordinary. Yeah. Doesn't it? How can we tell the difference between chimpanzees mm. and ourselves? On the other hand, when the chimpanzee genome was actually sequenced the number dropped down to about 96 percent identical Mm -hmm. and um okay well that's that's an awful lot in reality the similarity is not or difference is not well expressed using a metric like percentage that's a major problem Mm -hmm. but let's just hypothetically go along with that um okay the biblical view that everything was created yes. by the same God out of the same stuff and so on is uh, means that it's unsurprising that we find a fair amount of similarity here. But also from the Darwinian view, the sort of materialistic Darwinian view, it's not surprising that we find this uh, quite a bit of similarity. But what about that difference? What does 1% difference mean? Mm. What it means is 30 million differences one percent basically now there are some subtleties in this i want to warn you of that okay so but that's that's basically a ballpark it gives you an idea of the scale of the problem Mm. so somehow or other in the six million years that the traditional kind of darwinian view says we have uh, to separate from chimpanzees Half of those differences have to have arisen in chimpanzees and half of them have to have arisen in human beings. Um, That's 15 million that have to have arisen in human beings. The problem is you start doing the math on this and you start realizing that, wow, you know, uh, to actually achieve this, this amount of difference requires a huge number of human beings for natural selection to have worked mm. on. And we're talking about 
basically numbers that would require women to be having 100 to 200 babies each. <laughs> uh, with, with, by the way, 99% of them being selected out okay. at some yes. point. Along. So a tremendous number of babies and tremendous carnage to get what we've got in this 6 million years. And by the way, this, this is a well-recognized uh, problem. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, sometimes it's called Haldane's Dilemma because a guy named Haldane initially came up with some ideas about this. And occasionally you find people saying, aha, we've solved Haldane's dilemma. And then you look at the math and uh, it was a good attempt. But nobody's uh, done something that's truly satisfying, at least up to this point. And remember that 15 million differences that human beings have to have have arisen in the human line, that's for every percent Mm. that we see. So when we go up to 4% difference, we're talking about 60 million differences, differences. Yeah, mutations wow. that have to have arisen in and then become fixed in the human genome. Mm. Um, when you start looking at these numbers, I don't know, you know, six million years sounds like a long time, but math is a pretty reliable way, we believe, of, of testing the, the um, plausibility of an idea. Yeah. And math makes it look like the Darwinian view probably doesn't work very well. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, if you have an intelligent agent like God who is engineering indifferences, then you have a good explanation for both the similarities and the differences. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's why this biblical view is so um, uh, satisfying from the point of view of reason and logic. Yes, Oh, man, that is so awesome. I think that's so encouraging, too, from the perspective of faith. Um, but, uh, you know, the thing that I'm, I'm thinking is that it just it ultimately comes down to it. When we talk about these things, it's the evidence is there and it's, you know, it's up to interpretation and, and we need to come into it. Um, yeah, just just with the right state of mind, not trying to shoehorn data, as you're saying, but just looking at it and saying, where does this fit? But, Tim, thank you so much for your time. Uh, We're going to continue on with our show. But, uh, yeah, we're going to continue on with the Creation Conference here. And thanks for sitting and talking with us. Thanks so much for having me. Sit beside me while I weep. I'm crying to you on bended knees. Words come down from above. 
fill me up with your endless love. This world is so dark, only you are enough. Search for me with all your heart. I'm always here, I'm never the far. Open your eyes and you will see I'm longing, my child, to set you free. Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. How's it going, everyone? This is Mon and Lyle from The Breakfast Show. Hey, Lyle. Mm? I've got a question for you. Yeah. Is God for real? That's a really good question. In fact, it is such a good question that ex-atheist, devout atheist Peter Watts is doing an entire series of presentations on that very subject, answering some of life's deepest questions. Are you serious? Can I go to this? You certainly can. It starts this Friday night, the 19th of July at 7pm and runs every Friday, Saturday and Tuesday night. Do I have to pay? Where can I get a ticket? It's for free. Simply call 0488. 588955 While I will see you there We have this hope That burns within our hearts Hope in the coming of the Lord We have this faith That Christ alone is 
in the promise of his word. We believe the time is here when the nations far and near shall awake and shout and sing Hallelujah, Christ is King. We have this hope that burns within our hearts, hope in the coming of the This is a reminder, you are listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show and interact with Mon and myself for The Breakfast Show, then simply go to faithfm.com.au and press play or use the TuneIn Radio app.